Good morning. Uh, just a reminder, with Thanksgiving uh, coming up next week, we are having a Thanksgiving Eve service on Wednesday the 23rd, both at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m., uh, just as we have done in years past. And uh, as we've also been doing, the offerings for the Thanksgiving Eve services will go towards the support of the Siberian Lutheran Mission Society, uh, which we've been doing for the past couple of years. The Old Testament reading for this, the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, is from the fourth chapter of Malachi. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from the third chapter of Second Thessalonians. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. While some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place. But the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. 
There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter it, for these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs and sun and moon and stars. And on earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, Jesus prophesied that the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. And Jesus' prophecy was fulfilled. In 70 AD, the Roman army invaded Jerusalem. The Jews were helpless as they watched the Romans tear their temple apart, brick by brick. And the temple was never rebuilt. For the Jews who were in Jerusalem at that time, it felt like it was the end of the world. It was so horrible, the Jews were actually wondering, is this the end of the world? When such a terrible thing happens, is that a sign? The world is going to end. It seems like people are often wondering about the end of the world. I hear a lot of Christians nowadays say they feel like the end of the world is right around the corner. They will bring up things that are taught in school and they will say, surely the end is close. I hear Christians talk about the sexual immorality in our society and say, it's never been so bad. Surely Jesus is coming back soon. Don't you think, Pastor? Well, I'm not so sure about that. Jesus even said, there will be wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. 
Jesus said, there will be earthquakes and famines and pestilences, but the end is not yet. And Jesus said, you will be persecuted and put to death, but the end will not be at once. But all these things are not new, are they? The wars, earthquakes, plagues, immorality, they're nothing new. Are they? If you were alive at the time, think back to the year 2001 and 9-11. With the global war on terror in the Middle East, some Christians were saying this would usher in Armageddon. The end is near. But that was 20 years ago. The end did not come. Not yet. Go back even a little further. In the early 1990s, Saddam Hussein, who was known as the Butcher of Baghdad, started a war. And some Christians said, this is it. He's the Antichrist of Babylon. But then Saddam Hussein was captured, tried, and he was executed. A short-lived antichrist at best. I can remember reading old sermons of pastors all the way back in the 1960s who bemoaned that traditional roles were changing in our society. That the sexual revolution of the 60s was the end of the world as we knew it. And that we had become a little Sodom and Gomorrah. The end is near. But nothing happened. That was 60 years ago. Go back a little further. During World War II, Adolf Hitler was compared to the Antichrist time and time again. After all, Hitler was a persecutor of the Jews. A man who corrupted the church in Germany. The bringer of a global war. And many Christians were convinced. The end is near. But it wasn't, was it? And all of that just happened in the past 100 years. Go back even further, and during the days of Martin Luther, a plague ripped through Europe and killed 30% of the population. The church was also in shambles. A war was starting in Europe, and even Luther wondered, is the end near? I find it interesting that we can get so obsessed over that question. We will watch the latest documentary on the History Channel that tries to weave together history and current events to say, look, the end is close. Why on earth? Are we so interested with this topic? Why on earth in the church do our minds get so preoccupied with this that we are ready to jump onto the bandwagon and say, yes, the end really must be near. Why do we do that? After knowing so many have done that, over the past years and decades and centuries and literally millennia. Maybe it's because sometimes 
it does feel like the world around us is, is ending. And in many ways, it is. Maybe we shouldn't be so concerned about when the world will end. Because the world we live in is in a constant state of ending. Ever since the fall into sin, our bodies became sick. Our souls became sick. Our minds became sick. The world around us became sick. And all of it is ending. All of it is slowly ending. So when a mother has a child die, how do you think that mother feels? She feels like her world has fallen apart, that her world has ended. And in many ways, it has. For a mother whose child died, a part of her world did just end. For someone who wrestles with the daily struggle of mental illness, they feel like they're in a constant daily struggle with something that just doesn't go away. Maybe for some of us, we like to think about the end of the world because we really do want this all to end. The death, the disease, heartache. We want Christ to put a stop to all of this. And one day, he will. We don't know the precise day or hour. Jesus said, we never will. But you know what? There is something you do know that is so much greater. Jesus told you something today that far outweighs all the terrors of the end of the world we get so preoccupied with. Today, Jesus said to you, but not a hair of your head will perish. So even though Jesus said nation will rise against nation, remember that he also said, but not a hair of your head will perish. And even though Jesus did warn us there will be earthquakes in various places and famines all around the world, And plagues that will far outdo COVID-19. Please, please remember the greater thing that Jesus promised you. But not a hair of your head will perish. And when our worlds feel like they are falling apart. And sometimes they really are falling apart. Remember what Jesus said to you. Our own worlds feel like they are ended when a child dies, when a husband or wife dies. Our worlds feel like they are ending when a divorce happens or when a mental illness is pestering us. When our worlds feel like they are ending, please remember what Jesus promised to you today in the face of all of that. But not a hair of your head will perish. God knows every single hair on your head. God knows every freckle 
on your face. He knows everything about you. Jesus knows you so well. He sees every blemish on your soul. He knows every mishap of your heart. He sees it all. And he loves you anyway. Jesus Christ cares about you so much that he died on the cross to make sure we will not die. Not forever. And Jesus cares about you so much that his resurrection from the dead guarantees your own resurrection from the dead. Not a single hair of your head will be lost. Not a single freckle on your face will go unnoticed in the resurrection. And if Jesus cares so much about a hair on your head, just imagine how much he cares about you. All of you. Your body, your soul are so precious to Jesus that he won't let a single piece of you fall by the wayside. It does not matter what the world looks like around us. Christ is not going to let you fall. Whether our worlds feel like they are ending in a war or a natural disaster, Christ is never going to let you perish, not for eternity. Whether our worlds feel like they are falling apart at the death of a child or a beloved spouse, Christ is not going to let them perish forever, not for eternity. Whether we feel like our worlds are falling apart because of the wrestling of our soul or diseases in our bodies, Christ is never going to let you perish, not for eternity. Your God knows everything about you. Every hair is numbered. Every hair is so precious because Christ is the one who created them in the first place. And if a single hair on your head is so precious to Christ, just imagine the place you have in Christ's heart. Jesus literally went to hell and back again for you. Literally, he did. He died on a cross for you. He rose from the dead for you. You are so precious to him. He had to save you. After all, he won't let a single hair of your head perish. And if he cares that much about a single hair, then even if the whole world around us is ending, it doesn't matter. He could never let you perish. He loves you. Far too much. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.